So happy you're here this morning. And just want to reiterate, this today's service is a little different than norm. And uh, we're continuing our core series, and we're talking about these core elements of our faith and our relationship with Jesus. And last week, we talked about baptism and what that means. And I mean, 77 baptisms, that's what we're celebrating again. Come on. I don't know, sometimes, sometimes I, I log on to social media and I see stuff that makes it seem like, man, the church is dying, it's slowing down. I'm like, well, you gotta come to Reno because God's up to something in the city of Reno and it's awesome. And today we're talking about communion and I'll be honest with you, I prepared a lot for this this week and I kept thinking on which way to go and what to do. Um, I went down, you know, I was like, we'll do a full history of communion and how it's changed and how it's progressed over the years and meaning and we'll do this and we'll do that and I landed somewhere um, just in my time preparing that today needed to be a moment to pause to hit pause on life to hit pause on the craziness of life and the loud distractions to hit pause from the things we're thinking about doing right after the service hit pause on school starting tomorrow I know you're all stressed about that that will it'll be okay Hit pause on whatever's happening at home that's keeping you up at night. Hit pause on those things that you can't seem to shake in your life. And just to focus on Jesus. To focus on what he's done as we talk through communion. Because here's the truth is we are a busy culture, amen? We are busy, we are always moving. We are trying to get from one thing to the next as quick as we can. We're, we're trying to get from this meeting to that meeting. We're trying to get from the beginning to the day to the end of the day where we can go to sleep. It's spiritually, we're trying to get from where we're at to where we want to be as fast as we can. We're busy. And we're so busy sometimes, even for myself, I make a game out of being so busy and so, want to go fast. Like I know some of you, when you get in your car and you type in the directions to somewhere and that time pops up how long it's gonna take for you to get there. Some of you say, okay, it's gonna take us this amount of time. I look at it as a challenge to be beaten. Uh, if I can shave a couple minutes off, I beat Apple, you know? And we're in a hurry. And today it's important that we pause because communion is important. And what we're gonna talk about today is very important. And before we get to discussing communion, I want to take a moment just to talk about the posture of our heart as we enter communion. When you read this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 and 28, it says this. So anyone who eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. This passage, I mean, it's caused me a lot of turmoil as a young believer. How do I ever become worthy to do this? When you read that, they take up the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. How can you ever be worthy? Here's the truth. I'm gonna ease all your minds. You can't. You will never be worthy. You wanna know why? because you can't make yourself worthy, only Christ can make you worthy. And so when you, when you take of this, when it's saying to take this in an unworthy manner, it's when you take it as a believer in a posture of you being the Lord of your life. 
you being the ruler. It's saying to get to the posture of complete surrender to Jesus, the one who paid it all, and allow him to make you worthy and submit to him. And it's not so much about the worthiness in this passage, it's about the examination. It says examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. What it's asking you to examine here as the believer, and let me speak to the believer in the room for a second, as a follower of Christ, it's, it's asking you to examine yourself. Are you living a life of repentance or is there areas where you're unrepentant? Is there areas in your life that you are in rebellion against Christ? That, that you're, you're not repentant of? That you're trying to hide still? That, that you're, you're hoping nobody finds out about and you're convinced yourself that you can hide it from the creator of the universe? Is there areas in your life that you're living unrepentant? That's what, it's calling for a deep examination. Before you just go through this moment of communion, you take the bread and you take the juice and you just take them as a normal part of life, it's calling you to a deep examination. A deep examination of yourself. And we have become habits when it comes to communion as making communion just a part of our, our life in a moment that just comes and goes. This is a serious subject. And it should bring every believer to a place of repentance. Now let me speak to the one in the room who hasn't crossed the line of faith yet. When it comes to communion, communion being an ordinance that ourselves as Christians take in remembrance of Jesus. It's meant for those who have crossed the line of faith. And if you're here this morning and you haven't crossed that line, what this passage is telling you to do is to examine where you're at. Is your life in need of a savior? Is your life in need of a Messiah named Jesus? Is there sins in your life that you need to be forgiven of? It's calling you to examine that. And when we pass the elements later, if that's you, and you're in that season of examination, I wanna start off by just saying, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're not ready to cross that line, just let that plate pass on by, it's fine. But I want you to know this, at any moment, at any moment you can come to Jesus, You don't have to wait till the end of the service, till they sing a pretty song, or I say some pretty words. You don't have to wait till the right moment. If you come to that moment through today's message, through the week, and you say, you know what, I need Jesus, you can ask him to be the ruler of your life. You can come to him, and it's very simple. It's not pretty prayers, it's just simple repentance. Jesus, I repent for my sins, and I surrender my life to you. Be the king of my life. That's the two main parts, repentance and surrender. And if there's a point today and you just want to do that, just do it in your seat. Talk to him. But when it comes to communion, we're going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24. It says this when speaking on communion. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Today we're gonna talk through four steps of communion. Not a legalistic approach to step by step, but just four things to prepare our heart for communion. And then we'll partake of it at certain moments today. Step one of communion is this. Step one is to give thanks. It opens up in this passage, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God. He gave thanks. The first step to communion is thanksgiving. Actually, even the word communion, some of us know it as the word Eucharist. 
that word in its original translation means giving thanks. Giving thanks. And I know there's some of us in this room this morning who's saying, Shane, I don't have anything in my life to be thankful for. I don't have anything in my life. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what struggles. You don't know what hardships I have. Well, I wanted to speak some truth into you. I'm not trying to minimize your pain or your current circumstances. But as a believer in Jesus, there's always something to give thanks for. We can be thankful for the gift of salvation, for the wages of sin was death, but eternal life is achieved through the death and resurrection of our Christ and Lord. We can give thanks to God for his eternal love. Let them praise the Lord on this great love for this wonderful things he has done for them, Psalms 107. We can be thankful for God's presence, that the God of the universe has chosen to dwell among you and in you. No matter what you're going through, we can be thankful for his presence even in the midst of a storm, amen? We can be thankful for his provision because yes, it might not feel like he's providing now, but he will provide. He's true to his word. I want you to think back to your life before and think of the times he's provided before because he will provide. He's a God of provision. We can be thankful for that and he, we can be thankful for God's sanctification. We can be thankful for the sanctification that we read of in Colossians 1.22, that we can be reconciled to him through his son Jesus, that we will not stand alone before him, but we will be sanctified through Jesus Christ. That's worthy, worthy of thanksgiving, amen? Step one is we give thanks, and you have to remember you have something to be thankful for, no matter where you're at. And step two, we remember the brokenness. We remember the brokenness. It says in this passage that he took the pieces of bread and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. When we take the bread here in just a moment, we are called to remember the brokenness of Christ's body. What he had to go through on his way to the cross and on the cross. It's interesting when Jesus was at the Last Supper, and he's walking the disciples through the bread and the wine. He's doing it over a Passover meal, which Passover was the celebration of the Israelites' freedom from Egypt. And they would do that during this time to, to remember and to celebrate what God did and he set them free from Egypt. Now Jesus is telling them, do this with this bread and with this wine. Do this in remembrance of me because yes, today they're celebrating freedom from Egypt, but what I will offer is freedom for eternity. What, what my body will be broken and my blood will be shed. What I am offering is eternal freedom, not a moment of freedom. He's using the Passover to do so. And when he says, this is my body, he's holding unleavened bread. And unleavened bread was important because at that time, unleavened bread represented the absence of sin. He says, this is my body. Jesus, who was perfect, who knew no sin, it had to be broken. And just so you know, the bread that we're gonna pass here in a little bit was homemade by some awesome people in our church is unleavened bread that we get to partake. But when I say remember the brokenness, it is important that as we enter into this moment of uh, communion, we remember what Christ had to go through. And can I just be honest with you? This wrecked me this week. I spent a lot of time studying the pain that Christ went through what he had to endure on our behalf. Matthew 27, 
tells the story to us. Some of the soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and they called the entire regime. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They wove together a crown of thorns and they stuck it on his head. Then they placed a, a stick in his right hand and a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted him, Hail, the King of the Jews! They spit on him. They grabbed the stick and struck him on his head. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took his robe off, put back his old clothes, and they led him away to be crucified. Before even getting to the cross, my God, this gets me every time, that my Savior, my God, Jesus, chose to leave heaven and come to earth and he finds himself in this room where people are spitting on him and mocking him and hitting him and causing so much pain and at any moment he could have said, you know what, forget this, I'm God. But you know what? He was there for you and for me. He's being broken for you and for me. He's being laughed at and mocked. And I'm like, I look at this passage and I say, how dare them mock my Jesus? And then I say, how often in my life do I mock him with how I live? And I take advantage of what he went through. He was broken. And then he goes to the cross and he has nails driven through his wrists and his feet. And he hangs on a cross fighting for every breath as he holds himself up to take a breath. At any moment, he could have stepped down. But he loved you and he loved me too much to do so. His body was broken and abused. And it's important to remember that it was given. Jesus was not taken. Jesus gave of himself. He was not against, it wasn't like he couldn't do anything. He gave his body to be treated and mocked. God of the universe had people spit on him and stab him and whip him to the point where he was unrecognizable. And he gave himself for you. And after they had taken the bread, it says here in 1 Corinthians, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat of the bread and drink of this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Step one is we give thanks. Step two is we remember the brokenness of his body. Step three, we remember the covenant this new covenant Jesus speaks of. This new covenant between God and his people. See, at the time of this supper when Jesus was doing this, there would have been many cups on the table and he chooses what is called the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. And he speaks of this new covenant. This new covenant that he would bring, this covenant of transformation. It wasn't a covenant of rules and regulations. It's a covenant of transformation. 
a transformation of our will and our heart and a transformation of our relationship to him. But for this new covenant to come, to, for us to live in this New Testament covenant with him, there had to be a price paid. And according to the law of Moses, everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Was the law was based on this, this price that had to be paid, an atoning for your sins or your mistakes to be made right with God. And Jesus comes and he speaks of this new covenant. He speaks of his sacrifice by the shedding of his blood. See, for this new covenant to happen, Jesus had to pay that price for you and for me. For us to live in the new covenant with him, this New Testament covenant, he paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood for us. Jeremiah 31, 33 speaks to this new covenant to come when it says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write on their hearts that I will be their God and they will be my people. This covenant is a covenant of transformation, like I said. And it's a covenant of transformation of your will and your heart. To enter into this covenant with Jesus, this new covenant he speaks to, it's a surrender of your will, and it's a surrender of your heart to him. And what was special about this new covenant was the relationship that was offered to humanity, to God. This new covenant, this relationship that Jesus offered through the sacrifice of himself and the shedding of his blood gave us relationship to God. Because there was a price that had to be paid. I hope we don't go through today without realizing how heavy that price was. Pastor Dan says this all the time. And I think it's just an amazing line. He says this, that you are worth God's son to God. You're that valuable to him. Because there had to be a price paid for our sins. For us to be reconciled to God, there had to be the shedding of blood. And Jesus comes to earth and he becomes the ultimate payment, the ultimate shedding of blood. And when his blood is shed on that cross, it covers all of humanity. It covers the sins of everyone who repents and comes to him. It covers the big ones that you think are too big. It covers the ones you're trying to hide, the ones that you're hoping nobody knows about. His blood covers those. All you have to do is come to him and accept that and step into that covering. I want you to hear me say this. That sin that's so big that you're so ashamed of, that you're walking around in shame and guilt, Christ's blood is more than enough to cover that sin. The thing that you're held up in, the addiction you're held up in, the lifestyle you're caught up in, Christ's blood is more than enough to cover it. When he shed his blood, it wasn't just to cover some, it wasn't just to cover a few, it was to cover all. 
He paid the ultimate price so you and I wouldn't have to. That's how much you're loved. That's how much you're worth to God. What a heavy price to pay to bear the sins of all humanity and shed his blood to cover us, paying the ultimate sacrifice of death. My hope and prayer today as we get ready to take of the juice is that we would examine our hearts. Is there any areas in us that we haven't turned over to God? Is there an area in us that we need the blood of Jesus over? That we need to step in to the covering of his blood and allow him to wash us clean? Is there areas in our life we need to reconcile? Is there areas in our life that we're in rebellion and we're unrepentant? And today's the day that we give it to God and we step into the covering of his blood. Step one, we thank Step two, we remember the brokenness. Step three, we remember the new covenant. And step four, we share. We share of these truths. It closes in this passage and it says, and you're announcing the Lord's death until he returns. When they would come together in remembrance of Christ, they would break bread and they would partake of this It required in them a change after doing so. And my hope and prayer for us today in this room and online is that we would live differently out of these moments. That we wouldn't come and just have these moments and then go back to our old life. But that there'd be change in us today. And we would have a heart of sharing the gospel of Jesus with anyone who wants to hear it. We live a life that shows the gospel of Jesus. I found this quote in regards to communion and the breaking of bread. It says this, as you break bread and bow your head, what sort of sermon are you preaching? Often we have broken bread together around the Lord's table, and then we have gone out just as the disciples did and denied him. My prayer is that for us as a church today, we would go out and proclaim him, not deny him. Amen? Amen. That we would leave this place proclaiming who Jesus is and what he's done for the world. And they would hear that news. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you today for the moment that you've given us today to remember your son and what he went through. Jesus, we thank you for your brokenness. We thank you for your blood, this new covenant that you've ushered in to be in relationship with us, to cleanse us. Let us live differently today out of it. In your name, amen.